I'm Mike. I'm Dave. And this is Between the Lines. And we're back. Hey, after we two weeks. Back. It has been just a little bit. Um, we, we uh, well, you know, life happens. Yeah. Um, we had a, a 4th of July shindig uh, where we had a wine tasting. After the wine, we just didn't feel like doing anything. <laughs> and the uh, the wine just finally dissipated yeah, out of just, our system. Yep, yep. We, we're finally sobering up. <laughs> so... No, uh, and then, you know, last week we had other commitments and things like that. You know, it's not like we get paid to do this, so this is this is a hobby for us. So we, we had to We decided to come back this week because of the outcry of people being like, Where have you guys been yeah, for the last two weeks? Yeah, all twenty of you all were flooding our <laughs> inbox with uh yeah. with well, I don't know if flooding Dripping our inbox with, with it's been uh, flooding, but not uh, not with commentary. Yeah, not with commentary, man. It, it's been raining. This is the wettest summer I remember in my history as a Pennsylvanian. This yeah. is absolutely. It's like a rainforest. Surprisingly, it hasn't flooded yet. Yeah, at, at least been, at least yeah. not on the scale of 2011. No, we've we, we've had like flash flooding um, and stuff like that, but it's it's not. It has not as of yet been. Um, anything to clean out your basement yeah. over or anything like that. I so. swear, I've got the FEMA app on my phone because it gives <laughs> Just me in case. it gives me better notifications than the weather app yeah. or the weather channel. Yeah, no, and, I, uh, I hear you. I swear, every single time there's a new uh, alert, it tells me there's going to be flash flooding. <laughs> every single storm, there's been flash flooding alerts. It's like nonstop. Okay, can't all be flash flooding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not every, not every time. So. End of the world. Every time it rains. Every yeah, right. Um, so really what we're coming back for is, uh, so on the last episode, we, we talked about veterans um, and uh, the 4th of July. They moved the 4th of July parade in lieu of some other parades. And we were just stressing the uh, importance of the 4th of July for everyone, not just uh, white males or anything like that and the independence days for everyone so i encourage everyone to go back and check out those episodes um as well as uh all other past episodes you can find us on facebook at pa between the lines you can find us on twitter at the btl podcast and on our own awesome website the btl podcast hosted by postal productions um so go check out those old episodes, visit our website, uh, hit, hit us up on our contact page. Let us know what you enjoy about our podcast, what you really don't like at all and wish we would stop doing, um, and maybe some ideas for future episodes. Today, um, we are talking about the innate human thirst for freedom uh, and the uh, boiling over. Nobody of... has one of those. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> We're all, we all want to be part of the uniform nimity. <laughs> uniform Uniformanimity. Uniform anaminist. But in Cuba, uh, protests have, and riots have, have erupted. Hey, fancy that. Isn't it, isn't it funny how they really don't like not having food? 
Isn't it funny how since 1960, <laughs> they've been developing this craving for something that they had prior <laughs> had to. prior to. Yeah, when Castro took over, he promised freedom. And, and now, severed ties with everybody that helped lead the way to their economic prosperity. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember, what was it? A lot of the older movies, like the black and white movies that you remember growing up with, Havana, Cuba always kind of meandered its way into some of those shows because it was it was the place to go it was um and it was it was bustling oh yeah uh, bright lights and music and 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 culture and theater and oh it was it was just well the culture i think the culture is still there it's just been muddied oh with, with, well what i mean by that is it was it was rich it was vibrant and it was active yeah uh, not that it's not active but yeah. like americans could go and participate in this in this um this other culture and now that's not so much i mean that kind of um that culture spilled over into miami i think so like you can get a lot of that same flavor um in in those parts of uh southern florida and things like that but not the full yeah the full-on havana but interesting enough i mean miami has is their mayor cuban yeah yeah he did you hear what he said about um i've seen he's been in he's been in the news quite a bit lately but i haven't heard any of the if i and anyone is is always free to correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure he um is first or second generation um cuban american Mm -hmm. and they fled castro and all that stuff and he said that airstrikes should not be off the table oh man yeah oh man (laughs) that's how passionate now most 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 people in congress have you know toned that down like uh they asked um uh, it'll be bay of pigs uh, senator 2.0 uh, Senator Kennedy, John Kennedy, is that his first name? John. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the Southern yeah. gentleman. Yeah. He's he's, a, he's funny as hell sometimes, but uh, he came out and said, "No, I I would not go as far as to say that we should use airstrikes or any kind of military capacity." He says, but that's not to say that we shouldn't. Um, you know, he said President Biden should be on TV three times a day uh, denouncing. Yeah. the Cuban government and showing support for the people of Cuba and we should be using our cyber um, yep. the cyber arm of our of our military to make sure not necessarily to do attacks or anything but to make sure the internet stays active down there so that freedom uh, so that so that um, information can pass f- freely and news can get out. Um, of, of Cuba. Yeah, let's jump right into this too, because uh, I think the the one hundred and ten percent biggest hypocrite. Oh God! In this entire narrative is Alejandro Mayorkas. Oh, our our wonderful what is he? Uh, he Department is of the DHS head. Department of Homeland Security. Department of Homeland Security, ladies and gentlemen, the man who is tasked with watching out for terrorism. First generation Cuban American. First He's generation fled right after fled. the revolution with his family to California, yeah. where he went to school at Berkeley, ended up graduating, going to law school, which means what? He succeeded in life. He made something of himself. And then now he is the head of DHS. He lived, lived the American dream, literally. To literally. become literally from an outsider fleeing their country in poverty to becoming one of the 
top officials in the United States government. And now it turns around and basically in his droll Biden-esque face, as uh, much as he can put it on, he's like, do not come. He gives do a not. middle finger is what he, he does. basically does. And then, you know what really got me is that as I started listening to some of these sound bites from like Harris and some of these others, it's, I swear to God, if it wasn't recorded or pre-rehearsed what they were going to say, mm -hmm. because they all sounded identical to one another. Now I get it. Staying on message is one thing, yeah. but when you sound like somebody just played an MP3 behind the back of your head, instead of you actually, it was like Millie Vanilli, yeah. you know, giving a speech, you know, <laughs> you knew exactly it's it's ridiculous because now here's here's what pisses me off about this is we've had four years five years of of illegal immigration pouring pouring through a sieve of a border uh, on our southern border and Democrats have decried asylum for these poor people that are fleeing horrible regimes and gang violence and all this other stuff. And now you have actual refugees coming from Haiti who, um, you know, just experienced a presidential assassination. Their, their entire country is in uh, just upheaval right now and yeah. uncertainty because of what happened. And now you've got Cuba, which is the way it has always been. You've got people f f fleeing from there, actual asylum-seeking refugees, and they're just going to give them the finger and say, don't come here. Yeah, and what drives me nuts is just the, the kind of painting of the pig that this administration has been trying to do with this whole situation, trying to say, oh, well, they're just up in arms because they haven't had enough COVID shots. You know, go blow oh, me. That was that <laughs> pissed me off. That was the first reporting from CNN and MSNBC was that they were protesting because of COVID. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. They're, yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> you've just uh, you've just encapsulated my sentiments. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, but this it pisses me off. And then and Democrats are are offended because they're waving American flags. And well, Cuba. it's you know, what's funny is that a lot of the. Uh, uh, news stations, uh, the ones that, you know, try at least to some degree to be a little bit in the middle on this is that they'll show how that Cubans are now more proud of the U.S. flag than freaking Americans are right mm, now. And, I'm, and I say that generally because, you know, on it, a public on, on the public sphere, on the public sphere, I'm yeah. damn proud of that flag. And I always will be. Yeah, I, I, I pick if I see one in a cemetery that's fallen over, I will stop and did you see that pick that thing not up to interrupt? But did you see that video? I don't know where it was. I, I'm going to make a wild guess here and say it was somewhere in California because I don't remember the context. But a, a woman and her kid were riding their bikes. It was a nice afternoon. They were out in their neighborhood just riding their bikes. And they were they were passing by one of the neighbor's houses. And in the front yard there was a flag just staked right and it was a smaller flag the kid goes over picks the flag up and throws it on the ground and the mom just sits there and watches the whole time as he does that wow one private property two you're a little bitch ass fucker that yeah. needs to get his 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 yeah. rear end slapped disrespectful I mean, and I, personally, I made the comment to somebody. I said, I wish they would have had a potato gun because I would have shot that woman right off of her bike. <laughs> now, now, don't get me wrong. I, 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 I don't like it, but I do support. You should be able to do whatever you want with that flag as a protest. If you want to protest and burn it, go ahead. That's your First Amendment right. But your flag. Yeah. Your flag. Yeah, you paid for that you piece buy, of property. You buy that yeah, flag and, you, exactly. and then burn it. Don't take somebody else's flag 
and burn it. That's their property. And that's the thing is that n- neither one of us believe anything about the U.S. is sacred. We, it's, no. It's not on the level of sacred. It's not like the White House should never be touched or the nope. Congress should never be touched. Nope. They have been touched. Absolutely. I mean, the White House burned down. Burned. What was War it? of 1812. Yep. It was burned, set afire and they fled to Philadelphia. Rebuild it. And, uh, you know, there were a number of things that have happened. I mean, there was a bomb lit off in Congress back in the 60s. Uh, what was her name? I can't even think of it right now. Oh, yeah. There was a pipe bombing right yeah, in Congress. That's right. Capitol uh, Hill. The um, She was an uh, uh, environmentalist. What was she? Yeah. Remember? Yeah, she was an environmentalist. Now, understand what I'm saying is that I'm not saying that those things were right. They oh, were, we're not. Yeah, we're not condoning this. Those situations were wrong and they were criminal and everything. I'm just saying is that to elevate anything in the U.S. to the point of sacredness is wrong. Yeah, Be- when, we, when, we, when we say that we have a reverence for the flag, we're not saying that everything that the United States has ever done has been pristine and without fault. Yeah. Um, no, in no way, shape, or form would I ever... Uh, you know, think that about any nation. There's, you know, everybody is w- with well, with some sort of. Fault. Yeah, it's just like with the office of the president or the office of a senator. Yeah. I respect the office, but I don't necessarily respect the yeah. person in office. Yeah, exactly. Just like this, you notice there's not a member. Member for four years, there was not my president, the resident of the White House. Yeah. Not not he's not the actual illegitimate president. This I did that other. when I found out they weren't building a Chick Fil A downtown <laughs> and they put a freaking dentist office in there. And I was half tempted to walk out front of that freaking place with a not my Chick-fil-A sign. <laughs> but nonetheless. But my point is, is there was notice there hasn't been any of that. Uh, there has been. OK, I'll, there has been some, but facetiously. Yeah, there's been some people that are. Um, I apologize for the can opening. We have other people in the room that just don't know how to be quiet. Um. <clears throat> People are doing it ironically. They're doing it uh, facetiously to poke back at those that did not my president. But it's not this big uniform movement that Biden is not my president. I live in the United States. I'm a U.S. citizen. He occupies the office of the presidency for the United States. Therefore, ergo, he is my president. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't agree with his policies. And it's not that it hasn't been a feeling that's been different through the 200 250 300 years of this country there were people that didn't like john adams that were probably like not my president there were people that said that probably about every single president that has ever donned the doorstep of the white house i mean this isn't a question of whether or not there are people in disagreement it's a question of whether there's somebody in office that is totally and completely diametrically opposed philosophically to the very essence of what the u.s stands for because you know it's something's weird when you've got cubans that are standing up against their own government that back in the 60s the majority i guess it was the majority yeah felt like this was the good move to make and then kennedy actually the bay of pigs situation when we were supposed to get involved we tried to warn you but (laughs) i I was just reading a little bit on the history of that again and just how that all fell down. It's like there was it's very complex. Be, yeah. A uh, few years there. So there was there was a resistance that was building up to Fidel Castro's regime that was trying to take over the country. And then the U.S. got involved. They were supposed to send support. And then that kind of just petered off. And then, you know, basically that's the Bay of Pigs is that the. Uh, the revolution was stamped out because, you know, we didn't stand behind them. We I don't think we should have a repeat. I don't think we should have a 2.0. No. Um, 
I think we should support them yeah. wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I don't want to see any kind of violence or bloodshed. However, this is no different than Iraq, Afghanistan. You've got a humanitarian crisis in our backyard. Yeah. Uh, right on our southern border, so to speak. Um, and we can't just sit there and pretend like nothing's happening any longer. I'm not saying that we go in there with airstrikes or anything like yeah. that, but I, I do agree with the mayor of Miami to a certain degree that it should not be off the table. You should never say there is absolutely no way that it would come to that. Well, I mean, I think if you look at it uh, objectively, I think if the Cuban government being what it is, starts to use um, questionable measures against the people that are protesting. You know, yeah. there's there's certain levels there's certain levels of riot control that come to be kind of accepted, tear gas, water, all that kind yes. of stuff. You know, the things resting people, even though we don't agree with them doing I, what they're yeah. doing, because we know that their their level of arresting somebody is a different level of arresting in the United States. There's no due process. So yeah. people kind of disappear off of the map. Hundreds of people have already disappeared. In, so in it's the it's different, already. but at the same time there's certain gray areas that we don't we don't overstep the bounds of aggression, you know, in terms of like moving in and doing something about it aggressively. We don't typically do that unless they hit a certain chemical threshold. weapons. Yeah, or just conventional weapons even. Yeah. What if they start launching rockets at or their firing people? into crowds of protesters? Exactly. Yeah. That, so, I, yeah. But, you know, not to get off topic here, but I'm just thinking is that if we did get involved, I wonder if that would give China impetus with regards to Taiwan, you know, because in Taiwan, yeah. in, in China's mind, Taiwan is sort of like, well, you know, they're supposed to be Chinese, but yeah. you know, there's, there's a difference. It's a philosophical battle. Let's not, let's cut the mustard. Yeah. There's a philosophical difference between fighting to keep somebody free and yeah. fighting some, you know, to fighting a country somebody. Yeah, to keep them a part of the whole, so to speak. Yep. You know, that whole uniform in the uniform anonymity. <laughs> I, I like the way that um, it was put, though, that there is um, there is an innate. I don't know if it's innate. I guess innate is not the best way to put it. There's an inherent thirst for freedom, I think, in every human being. Yeah. And it's it's amazing to see when when these people when 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 the boiling point has been reached and people start exercising that right to defend their yeah. right their right to freedom and it's an amazing thing to see well i mean freedom gives people the right to fall on their own terms yes you know and if i think you think about that is that the whole uh, you know the, the marxists and the people that advocate for maybe not a hardcore communism but maybe a softcore socialism um you know if you look at it from that perspective a lot of them what they what they want is they want this safety net mm -hmm. basically created for all people. And I can, to some degree, I can kind of empathize sure. with that. But at the same degree, it's not practical. And we know that. We know it's not practical. Maybe on a very small, isolated scale, like, say, Social Security or whatever. Social Security, unemployment. You know, things like that. I mean, there's there's a certain level of socialism, so to speak, that kind of filters throughout the U.S. that I wouldn't say is inherently wrong. No. Um and it's manageable, but you know, to the degree that they've been trying to push it, like with, you know, flattening wages across the board with, you know, um, that just goes along with being your brother's keeper. Yeah. 
you know, just being a decent community, but not, not necessarily reaching into somebody's pocket and taking it and giving it to somebody else. But at the same time, acknowledging that they're, that, mishaps happen yeah and and there are going to be times when people need a leg up yeah and need, need some help you know i thought about this you know one of the things that always kind one of the things that historically predicates i think a lot of uh separation amongst countries like say if certain factions rise up and break away a lot of that usually becomes an economic concern because you know if you look at it a lot of in the U.S., you have parts of California, parts of Florida, parts of Pennsylvania that are throwing money to help communities that they have nothing to do with. And I think that what happens is that when, when, when you're paying for people that you have no connection to, it becomes a disconnect. And then, yes. you know, and it's, it's just like with the government, you know, you know, the government is if the government, you know, this is where we become very strict, hardcore libertarians on this is that I don't have any problem with the, 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 the social aspects of spending, except for the fact that they tell everybody that they need to pay for this. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. if you have a community, an isolated community that wants to throw money into this pot, so to speak, to pay for people within that community as a net for whatever that purpose and goal is, that's one thing. But when you have a head of state, like the head of state, telling you that you need to pay for some guy in Ipagip or, you know, where, yeah. you know what I mean? It, you know, that should be choice. That yeah. should be choice because there's no connection to that person. There's no real reason for that person to get involved. You know, um, not to say that it's a bad thing to get involved. It's just, but, you know, you know, as well as I do, communism in the last 50 or 60 years within the academic world has been posed to some degree as being this utopian ideal, when in reality it's dystopian because mm -hmm. it dehumanizes people to where you could be a doctor that's capable of so much. It's like Ben Shapiro made this argument one time. It's like, so you think you, the guy at the pencil making factory, should make as much as the guy who's skilled in brain surgery or skilled in cardiothoracic surgery or whatever the case be. You think you, the guy, you know, just Puts stamping things, you know, pencils. putting erasers on pencils demonstrates the same amount of effort in your life and value to the rest of the yeah, community. And it's not to say that what your job is, is devalued. It's not to say that you're under, you're not worth something. It's just in the grand scheme of things, when you have one cardiothoracic surgeon to a population of 100,000 versus 10,000 pencil makers to a population of 100,000. Guess who's worth more in terms yeah. of merit and worth of cost? I would argue that all 100,000 people are qualified to put a, a racer on the tip of a yeah. pencil. But not every person in 100,000. There may be only 10 people out of 100,000 that even have the capacity to be able to do that. Exactly. Let alone the wherewithal and the gumption to go through all the schooling and training you need to get there. And that's the dehumanizing aspect of it is that if you tell a doctor or a lawyer or whatever the professional degree is, an IT, somebody in IT, a programmer, whatever, if you tell them that what they do is no more worth than the job that 100 million people can do versus the job that 5,000 people can do. It's dehumanizing because what's sure. the point in going to school and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to get to a point where you're qualified, so to speak? You know, I, 
And then, and then they're like, well, yeah, we get that, so we need to make school free. And slowly by slowly by slowly, what happens is that the, the demands to make everybody level gets to the point to where nobody has the rights to any of the money that they make or That's any right. of their earnings. Exactly. Because everything has a price. Every, every program, every safety net has a cost. Absolutely. And eventually you're going to be working for the government because it's the government that's deciding where your money's going. Now, this may sound like an oversimplification of a complex issue, but at the root it, of it, that's the whole point. It is. It really is. And I've, I've said over and over again that uh, what socialism ends up being, and socialism is just the pathway to communism. That's yeah. all it is. You can, you can break it down and, and try to defend it. It's like it, the gateway it, drug. It really is. It's, it's, it's really just the... That's the that's the government that's put in place before you get to communism. Yeah, it's usually brief, but at any rate, um, communism socialism is predicated on the fact that half of the people, half of half of the population, lives off of the other half of the population. So fifty percent of the people work, the other fifty percent of the people do nothing, or or do are are living off of the means. Usually, what happens is for that to work, you need at least fifty one percent of the population of people to be productive and work and 49% of the people. It has to be a balance in that direction. If Once you get to the point where 49% of the people are working and 51% of the people are taking, yep. you're, you, you're already going to start to fail. Yep. And that's what happened in Venezuela is you start looking at cross. And this is the argument that's always made. It's cliche, but would you rather do nothing and make $100 a week or work your ass off and make $100 a yeah. week. I mean, nobody makes $100 a week, but it's an easy predication. Do you want to do nothing for that $100 or do you want to work for that $100? I, I think at the, you know, at the base of it, there's there's a different mentality. Like, what do you remember the, um, what did they call them? The old, um, the gold, not the golden rule, um, the, the Protestant rule. There was an old Protestant rule. That was kind of part of cultural mentality within the U.S. That you you work for everything that you get. That was an underlying principle. Now, that's not the exact verbatim of it, but that's the understanding is that everything worth having is worth working for, essentially. Mm -hmm. So that being said is that if, if we value work above the pay, people will have more of a tendency to work regardless of what the pay is and now generally they're happier yes because i think in the grand scheme of things you know what kind of life is it just to sit inside your home the rest of your life just collecting a paycheck mm -hmm. that may sound great and sounds wonderful. great and but eventually you go stir crazy yes i i think you know to you know people are born i think with innate talents and abilities to improve upon overall daily life if you want to talk about the, the good side of socialism, I would say the good side of socialism is that all people should be working for each other's benefit. Sure. You know, to some degree. And where I think that socialism line kind of runs throughout the U.S. is that if you think of NASA, they're working for our betterment. You know, you think of the astronauts, which usually are comprised of the most intelligent of the intelligent people that we have in our communities ranging from 
astronomical physicists and, you know, engineers that are beyond, you know, beyond intelligent and blah, blah, blah. These are people that are working to improve life here on this earth, you know, yeah. in some way they do medical research, they do technological research, they do all sorts of types of research. Um, but you know, that, that is the socialism line that I think runs through the U S but I think, yeah, I, I just, I think it's just completely back to the original subject. I, I think it's just completely, absolutely just no, no bones about it. This is just completely hypocritical on the part of our administration, both from an immigration standpoint. Uh, seeing how they've just let the southern border just turn into a complete travesty. I mean, what was the last yeah. total, like 200,000 people or yeah, more than that that have flooded into the country? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Some of the numbers I've heard ha is as low as 200,000 a day uh, to as high as 700,000 a day. It's That's a million people a day. How can you let that be an okay thing and yeah. then turn around I mean, and look at the Cuban people and be like, do not come. Yeah, there's 100 people on a boat. And you're going to say, you're going to turn them away. But uh, my advice is go through Central America. Take your boat across the Gulf of Mexico from Cuba and land in Central America and come across the border that way. They'll let you right in. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my advice for the Cubans. My hope, and I'm not trying to instigate anything here, but my hope is that those that comprise the Coastal Guard in those parts of the waters would have a higher sense of morality than our own administration does. Yeah, yeah. And so, Did you hear that? Hey, Biden, you have lesser morality than the yeah. people that are letting those Cubans in. Start rescuing them as uh, uh, abandoned air, abandoned crafts or, or... Oops! Yeah, oh, no. Oh, no. we missed those people. Yeah. Oh, the, sorry. The boats were sinking. We had to rescue them and bring them to the United States. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> and I wouldn't... You know, the thing of it is, is you may say, well, that's kind of hypocritical with you saying what you do about the southern border. It's like, not really, because no. people are coming into this country not under all species of duress. Yeah. You know, if, if, they, if these people were legitimately coming to the country out of... Me, you know, duress. They yeah. could establish that there's reasons, like life-altering reasons, why these people are leaving. Like gang violence in your country doesn't count. Yes, that's true, and that's always been a situation it, down there because there's gang violence in our country. Yeah, but communism, those type of environments breed. Yes, breed cartels. Absolutely yeah. breed them. So in a, in a in a situation like Cuba. I'm not being hypocritical because I've said from the beginning, my point has always been if you actually have a case for asylum and you're actually fleeing uh, a horrible regime like Syria or something like that, by all means, apply, go through the right channels, get get screened and, and come through and by all means, come on in. But don't just don't just slam yeah. the door in their face like well, that. Well, I mean, going real quick and I know we're running out of time here, but Karl Marx was a popular figure in the U.K., he was he he would do a, a large number of tours and he was sort of like, you know, if you want to go to a TED talk or whatever the case be back in the day, he was the guy that people would go academics would go and listen to because he had a lot of he was an intelligent guy. I'm not going to say he wasn't intelligent. I sure. was not going to put it past him that he didn't have some legitimate thoughts buried amongst all the other rabble or rubble. Um, but at the so same time, Genghis Khan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But at the same time is that, you know, you have to understand the context and the time in which they were living in. You know, if you look at the UK at that time, early, early 1900s, late 1800s. Yeah, there were oligarchies. There were, you know, the people that rose to the creme, rose to the top were the people that had 
family names and had bloodlines and had money, you know, just inheriting it, you know, just by nature of who they were. Absolutely. And then you had a working class that had no rights. I understand where socialism erupted out of, but to put that into the context of the United States, it's oil and water. Mm -hmm. It's, it's exactly oil and water. And to take what Cuba was in the sixties and to say that they were better as a result of Castro, you'd have to complete a complete and utter academic moron to yeah. believe that there's any any way that you could justify or substantiate that shift in their environment. Either that or you've gotten yourself onto some propaganda books from the oh yeah <laughs> coming from the Cuban government because you can you can you can see by by uh, grayscale the difference black and white between. Uh, Cuba 1940 and Cuba oh, yeah. 1970, just com two completely different countries. So, um, on that note, we 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 stand 100% with uh, the the people in Cuba fighting for their freedom. Um, I would love to see an end to the 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 rule of the Castro family, even though it's now. I guess the, a guy named Canal is in charge. It's not yeah. a, the Castros really are just kind of a. A figurehead now but at any rate i would love to see the end of communism in cuba and i would love to see the people in uh in cuba um live free uh and breathe free i know i've seen uh one last thing i uh, before we go it's kind of in the same vein i've seen a couple of videos on on youtube um and i encourage people to check them out these the, they're cuban immigrants uh that come to the united states and they see a grocery store for the first time their eyes, they weep. Oh, yeah. They weep. They're experiencing famine and food shortages. They have no of, idea that yeah. you can you can just it's a it's a it's a one hour plane ride to a country where everything is in, is bountiful. Uh, we're the land of milk and honey, I guess, is what I'm saying. People, you need to be more appreciative of what we have uh, in this nation and don't be so quick to give it away. Uh, because if we adopt the policies that they adopt in Cuba, uh, we're going to repeat what they've repeated yeah. and we're going to end up in the same place as they are. That's why the Biden administration doesn't want to say too much about Cuba, because the policies that they want to enact are the same policies that have been in Cuba for years and have been proven to fail. It would put their black policies against a white background. Is that's right. And that's not a racist comment. I'm no, just saying it, that we would see point blank yep. where the failures lie where the flaws lie in their philosophy. Because that's that's what Castro promised them. Uh, free elections and, and, and free, um, you know, free health care. And everybody deserves, everybody deserves exactly what they're preaching on, on the, 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 the U.S. left right now. Where 100% the policies that he, they, and the campaign that Castro ran on, and you see where it got the Cuba, Cuban people. Cuba is a microcosm of the macrocosm that would happen in the U.S. if we allowed those type of policies to take root. I think the decay would be faster because of the size of our country. Yes. I think there, it would be so rapid, uh, the decline in this country, that, that I, th I think tens of millions of people would die. Yeah. Honestly, just from starvation alone, I really believe that. I, I, I you know, I could be 100% wrong, but I really believe if the policies that you see in Cuba and Venezuela were ever implemented here, you would see famine on a mass scale. Well, when you have people like Bill Gates buying up as many farms as they do, yeah. Why, why does the owner of Microsoft need to own so many and farms? China, China, China owns a, a ton of farmland too. Exactly. And, and get it out of their hands and into people's hands. Luckily, with foreign governments, we can take that away. There's laws in place where if shit 
hit the fan, we could say, nope, that's ours again. Sorry, China, you know, but... Uh, at any rate, you can find us on Facebook at PA Between the Lines. You can find us on Twitter at the BTL Podcast. Go and visit our website at thebtlpodcast.com, hosted by Postal Productions. Um, and uh, give us a shout out there. Let us know what you what you like about the podcast. Let us know what you absolutely hate about the podcast and wish we would stop doing. Um, and give us some ideas for future episodes. We'd be happy to hear it. Uh, again, we stand in complete solidarity with the Cuban people. We love freedom. We want freedom to be... Uh, the beacon across. It's not that we don't want one world government. We just want the whole world government to be freedom. Do you notice their flag is red, white, and blue? It is. I, I really like Cuba. I yeah. really, I always have. I think it's a shame um, what's happened to them, and I love Cuban cigars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to all of you out there, support your, your Cuban neighbors. Yeah. Fly that flag high yeah. a- alongside the U.S. flag because we represent the uh, we, in representation, everywhere we support that, them. Everywhere they yearn for freedom, they fly the flag because we are the last We are the last beacon of freedom in the world left, um, pure freedom. And that's why when Hong Kong is protesting, they wave the American flag. When Cuba's protesting, they wave, they wave the American flag. It's a symbol of freedom. It's not a symbol of bigotry. Yeah. Um, and that's proven right there. Yep. Um, so... Go check us out. Check out our websites. Check out our old episodes, and we'll see everybody next week. We love you in Cuba. Um, actually, one last thing: call your representatives. Uh, get on the phone and call your representatives and let them know that you want them to stand with the Cuban people as well. Um, they can sanction the government. They can do a lot of things. Uh, so call your representatives and let them t- know to do more. Put pressure on them. Uh, everyone, have a great week. And um, anything you want to add? Uh, Viva la Liberty. Ah, Viva la Cuba. Viva Viva la la Cuba. Cuba. All right. Have a good week, everybody. See ya. Bye.